Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show, sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, hello and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey. Thanks for joining the show this morning. we got so many things to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the consumer price index, inflation, what's going on with that, home sales, S&P 500 companies talk about interest rates rising, how that's going to affect them, and uh, Chase, we're going to talk about some other things as well. Oh, always here to mainly take your calls, too. If you want to join the show here, phone number is 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. And we still think there's a lot of value out there in in companies that, that you can find. So great opportunity to call in and, and see what we think about some different companies, see, see if there's good value in those businesses. And and again, you got to search and hunt for those companies and, and we always tell people, give us a call for that second opinion on uh, what you're kind of looking at. But we always kind of recommend, call us before you do the buy. A lot of people, they do the investment, then they call us. It's like, well, call us first if you want to. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give you our opinion of it. You know, and it, it's so interesting. It makes me think of a quote from Warren Buffett. And I don't remember the exact quote, but I, I just know his, his saying is that, you know, basically investing is a, a zero strike game. There, you can't strike out. Right. So you don't have to swing at everything. And, you know, we always tell people, I mean, we spend so much time looking at companies and I'll tell you, sometimes it's frustrating. We miss the company because right. it went up and ah, that's a bummer. But the nice thing is there's thousands of other companies right. you can look at after that. <laughs> so don't feel rushed. Like you feel like you're going to miss out on something and that, that FOMO fear of missing out really drives us to make poor decisions. Just be patient. Make sure the numbers look good. Make sure the business fundamentals are there before you jump into that company. Exactly. Uh, that phone number is 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. We'll take calls about uh, 15 minutes. A lot of things to talk about. First of all, we got to talk about the consumer price index. And even with all the fear, the consumer is still shopping. In October, retail sales were up 1.3% compared to September and up 8.3% compared to October 2021. Now, this outpaced the inflation rate in October CPI report, which saw prices grow 0.4% month over month and 7.7% year over year. There were definitely areas in the retail sales report that benefited from higher prices as sales as gasoline stations were up 17.8% compared to last year, and grocery store saw sales climb 8% during the same time frame. And then just for reference, I mean, this is why sales at those two areas were up so much. I mean, <laughs> you look at the CPI, it showed gas prices climbed 17.5% year over year. So people are still consuming about the same amount of fuel. You're just yeah. paying more for it. You can tell that on the, on the freeways, like our freeways are always packed now. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> and then also too, you look at the food at home prices. I mean, gosh, those were up 12.4% year over year in the CPI report. So actually you look at that compared to the sales, people are getting less because they're having to pay more. That, that's a problem. 
Also, we looked at other areas of strength in the report compared to last October. Food services and drinking places up 14.1%. Gosh, that's true. I feel like I go to restaurants. They're always packed. Non-store retailers up 11.5%. And building material, garden equipment, and supplies dealers, those were up 9.2%. The only two areas that saw declines were department stores, which fell 1.6%, and electronics and appliance stores, which saw a decline of 12.1% as well. Two potential catalysts for the report included an additional Amazon Prime Day in the month. And also, too, can't forget about the distribution of the inflation relief checks. And I put that in quotations for you there <laughs> of up to $1,050 in California. I hope that we don't see additional stimulus like this going forward. As I believe it could create even more problems with inflation as it would, again, create that artificial demand as there's just too much money in the economy. We talked about the M2 levels. There's enough money in the economy to get us through this difficulty, we don't need to pump more into it. Uh, that uh, inflation relief check, wasn't that based on your car registrations or something? Well, how did they come up with that number? Because I, I didn't see my check in the mail. Did you? You don't get one. <laughs> uh, based off income. Oh, okay. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody that got one, do you? Uh, yeah. Uh, I know some of your friends. Yeah, some of my friends did get it. Yeah. What do they do with it? They invest it? No. No. I, I don't know what they did okay. with it. I, <laughs> They, they bought stuff. Okay, yeah, well, that's, hey, well, that's kind of what it's supposed to be for, I guess. So yeah. let's talk more about uh, some good news on inflation. Uh, this morning, well, actually this past week, as the October producer price index climbed 0.2% compared to last month, this was below the estimate of 0.4% and resulted in a, in a year-over gain of 8%. Uh, it's crazy to think that uh, an 8% increase is good news, but the numbers are decelerating. And then in September, the year-over-year gain was 8.4%. And back in March, you can't forget, the report showed a gain of 11.7%. So, again, it's not super exciting we're at 8%, <laughs> but we're also not near 12% any longer. The other thing here, too, is if commodity prices can stabilize and even perhaps decrease slightly, and if we stop pumping, again, so much money into the economy, I, I continue to believe inflation will be much less of a problem in 2023. And if you know it's much less of a problem, right. it's not going to right. not be a problem. And, and what is important is many times not the number. Yeah, it'd be nice to have 2 or 3% inflation again. That's not going to happen for a while. But what we're looking at is the change of inflation as opposed to escalating up higher, pulling back lower. And we, we have said we believe by uh, December – which will be come out in January, the report that that we could see a seven, maybe maybe below a seven percent inflation number, um, which will again in the right direction means the Fed can kind of pull back on their raising interest rates, which means that we can do a little bit better, I think, on the uh, equity side. Well, I'm very curious as well as I mean, you could have a huge December if CPI comes in slower than anticipated. Mm-hmm. Because I, I want to say I, I, I know the Fed meets in the middle of December. I don't know the exact date of when CPI comes out, but I, I believe the market right now has priced in another Fed, Fed rate hike of uh, a half percent. And one thing I'm looking at too, because uh, you said that gas prices climbed 17.5 percent, they have pulled back a little bit mm -hmm. from from the level that uh, this report came out. And so. and we also started this inflation again started last year, right? So especially in the commodity prices, right. in the gas prices. We've been dealing with high gas prices now for quite a while. The issue was when we looked at CPI, and we've talked about this before, but when you looked at 2020 compared to 2021, well, yeah, there was a huge increase. But now, 
I'm just going to say, I, I don't know the number off the top of my head right now, but, you know, gas was at, let's say, $2.50, and then it jumped up to $3.50. Now we're at $4. Yeah. Well, that's a much slower gain. You're, that's not going to be as impactful as it used to be. Right. right. Four. Right. It's still impacting, impacting people. Don't right. get me wrong, but it's less of an impact. Less of an impact right. in terms of the growth rate that we'll see in CPI. And, and that makes you feel better because you, you really don't remember. Eh, maybe gas price. You remember, oh, I was paying three seventy five. Now I'm paying, you know, four seventy five. You might remember that, but it still feels better than paying five seventy five. And you feel better. You go out and spend more. I still remember. I paid a dollar one time on the way to Arizona. I was so what cool. What was this? That was during COVID. Oh, COVID. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no one's on the road either. I was like, oh, wow. It cost me $17 to fill up my tank. Uh, now you can say, oh, yeah, those were the days. Now that you're <laughs> yeah. older. Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> Let's move on to home sales because uh, a home sales marked down nine straight monthly declines in existing home sales as there was a decline of 5.9% from uh, September to October with an annualized pace of 4.43 million units in the month of October, existing home sales fell 28.4% compared to October 2021 and registered the slowest pace since December 2011, excluding the brief drop that occurred during the beginning of COVID. And yeah, that was such a weird time. Obviously, it, it's kind of toss that number out because it's not a real number, I'd say. So that is kind of concerning there. But the other thing, too, we look at demand has clearly taken a drastic fall, but supply still remains an issue. With just 1.22 million homes for sale at the end of the month, there's still just a 3.3 month supply at the current sales pace. And, and that's what's crazy to me is that sales pace has come down so much right. and we're still not at a balanced market. Generally, you kind of look at a balanced market of around six months as it's considered healthy supply. But it's kind of funny, this 3.3 month supply, I believe that's getting close to kind of where we were pre-COVID, right? which was already kind of a difficult market anyways. But with prices still expensive and mortgage rates likely to remain high, I'm still expecting a weak housing market here in 2023. And one thing that, you know, and we read a lot about this, uh, one thing I, I notice is that the home builders, there's a, there's a difference. If you own your home, the resale home, oh. it's, eh, I'm not going to sell. But if you're a home builder, you have to sell. Mm -hmm. You have to do something to get, you know, that, that inventory moving. And they account for about, I guess, 15% of the overall sales across the country on homes. They will have to lower their prices. And then there's going to be people that, you know, will have to start selling their houses. We have talked about, we haven't talked too much in the, here on the show, but about Airbnbs, yep. where if they're not producing, people are gonna say, ah, oh, it's not working out, I'm gonna sell it. So, and again, we're not talking next week. We're talking about the next year. I think you will see the inventory increase because of the new home sales, Airbnb. And there's, there's some people that, I'm sorry, they can't get their home. Remember it was about, I think about a year ago, where we talked about how people, they got like this 3% mortgage rate and they're so happy. And then like younger people, well, I gotta cut the grass. I gotta, yeah. <laughs> I, I gotta do less maintenance. I don't like this. They might be saying, I'm done with this home. I just wanna get rid of it. So there, there could be more supply down the road. I, I would not be surprised to see a normal uh, 6% or six, uh, six month uh, supply in uh, 2023. Well, it's very interesting too. There, there's different kind of routes uh, for living that people are going with now. I, I know there's a uh, JP Morgan actually announced a joint venture with a, another company as well, where they're build to rent. Right. So rather than building to sell, it's built to rent. And then, I mean, we've talked about this before, but you know, we were driving, we did our office Christmas photos this past week and right off a uh, Friars road there, yeah. um, another complex <laughs> going up for housing. And it's like, 
Wow. I, I mean, there's that huge one that's going right off the uh, 15 up in like Colorado yep. Mountain area. Uh, we just saw that one that's right off the 15 in Scripps Ranch. I mean, they're popping up and that's a very small subset that, I mean, just on the way, essentially, you know, we're, we're in the studio down here by Friars Road. I mean, that's not that far. And that's just three. Yeah. That, <laughs> that are pretty right. much going to be brand new. I mean, that's a lot of housing coming out on the market. And you kind of talk about the Airbnb. Well, those people may say, oh, I'll just convert it to a long-term rental. Well, now that's con- creating more supply for rentals. Yep. That's going to have to push the prices down. This is why supply and demand, it works in every right. situation. doesn't matter if it's energy. doesn't matter if it's housing. <laughs> it always comes back to supply and demand. And right now, I think there's a potential for a lot of supply to come out of the market, maybe perhaps for the rental space, which could hurt demand for housing and rents, home prices, they are a function of one another. You can't yeah. have low rents and high home prices. No. It just wouldn't work. That wouldn't make any sense to invest in homes at that point. Yeah. So it can be a lag sometimes catching up, but eventually everything yeah. will come back to the norm. Uh, higher higher house prices, higher rents, but inventory, more inventory, more supply, that'll bring things down. I will say I do think there is some concern as well. Uh, I know we kind of talked about some of the other side about why maybe there's more supply to come on the market. But the other thing too, is we did talk about interest rates and before people were like, Oh, you know, I'm getting a great deal on selling my house and I, yeah, I'm buying a new house. Well, it's like, yeah, you, you bought high and you sold or you sold high and you bought high is the problem. Right. But the other issue is now people might be, ah, oh, I, I, I can maybe buy a house for cheaper, but I don't want to sell my house for cheaper. So that's kind of an issue that could be there. Not to mention, if you have a 3% mortgage rate, it's going to be hard to say, yeah, I want to sell my home and now buy a 7% mortgage on it. So there could be some impacts in terms of supply, but I think over the next couple of years, I think that will work itself out. Right. And I think we'll have more of a balance going forward because I think people will stay in their homes, but then they'll be doing like, well, let's remodel, let's put new flooring, let's, you know, paint, let's do, you know, mm-hmm. uh, different things. So so that will kind of, I think, balance out the economy going forward. Yeah, and I, I hate to say it, but, you know, people die as well. There, there's yeah. going to have to be, you know, that's going to be supply on the market. Talk about the home builders. There will be homes out there. And if those those people selling their homes are selling at a lower rate, that makes your home less valuable. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we said that's what, uh, annualized 4.4 million units. It would never be zero. <laughs> I mean, they, it was going to be selling some homes. And I think back in the peak, I think it was like 7 million homes I think on an so, annual yeah. basis. Yeah, it was huge. So well, let's talk about uh, S&P 500 companies because as interest rates are rising, corporations are paying off debt to reduce expenses. The S&P 500 companies have about $9.3 trillion in debt and with businesses performing well, they're sitting on about $2 trillion in cash, which is close to $500 billion more than these companies had in 2019. Yeah, I mean, this will definitely strengthen the businesses even more, increasing the value of many of these companies. And, you know, we kind of talk about the high interest rates for, for mortgages. I think you'll see these companies now not take on as much debt yep. because the money's not as cheap. Yeah. And, and also, too, there, there's not much they can maybe do with it at this point in time. And, and, and we have talked about, we do see larger tech companies mm-hmm. laying people off, but we still see your small mid-sized companies saying, we need somebody. We're, we don't want to get rid of anybody. We want to find somebody else. Actually, at our firm, we're looking for, for a good uh, operation assistant person, and it's hard to find. I got to say this. I've, I've called, I think, about 12 people now. Two have called back saying, oh, not too far to drive, not going to show up. Uh, one said, no, I found another job. And I think the number is now six 
have not even showed up. Didn't well, call, didn't show up. Well, not even did they not show up. They booked a time oh, yeah, to oh, come yeah. meet with us. Right, yeah, yeah. They, 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 that's right. They, they had a time to come, had the appointment, and just didn't didn't show up, didn't call, didn't do anything. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I think... I hate to say it, but I think that's the sign of still a, a strong labor market. Yeah. Guys, oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to find that. I want that perfect person because they take care of our clients, and our clients are very happy with the Yeah. We have and, very customer service oriented. And we've said it, too, but the, the idea of, you know, the headlines now from these tech companies making, oh, Amazon's doing a layoff. Oh, my gosh, Amazon's things must be terrible, you know. <laughs> but there's so many other, I mean, like in the, I haven't seen anything from, like, the big banks no, that's just they have announced. No, actually, there, there's going to be the mortgage issue. That well, the mortgage arise. issue, and I think um, uh, mortgage banking. Yeah, uh, you know, because there's not as many IPOs that came out. So I think that that actually yeah. investment banking. Investment yeah. banking yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, and uh, maybe yeah. I, I'm just trying to think of other sectors. And yeah, I, yeah. I mean, actually, maybe healthcare is strong. Uh, um, Business services. Services. Uh, yeah, so there, there's yeah, yeah. There, there, there will always be some weakness somewhere, but I think overall, and you see the big headline like, "Oh, Amazon's laying off ten thousand people. Oh, that's terrible," but you're not seeing that there's you know a hundred thousand mid-sized companies that are saying we need more people, and, and that's where the Jolts report comes into yeah. play. Yeah. If we were having you know really mass layoffs across the country you wouldn't see millions of job openings. You right. know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Companies wouldn't be laying off people to post a job opening. Right. And we talked last time that the Jolts report, the number went up when I thought it was going to go down. So uh, we'll see. That that comes out. Uh, Probably, I, I, would, I would have to assume. I mean, next week's a holiday week, so it, it has to be weeks. within the next two weeks. Yeah, we'll, we'll see it then. Uh, phone numbers here, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288. 0973 as always gets you through for that unbiased no strings attached fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about i do see dorian uh be patient with us we'll, we'll get to you i just got to talk about this because it's something that uh i thought was kind of good uh we feel that the price of everything is going up but there is one thing that i found that for nearly 40 years has stayed the same price and that is a hot dog and a drink at costco since 1985 the price has stayed at $1.50 and also, they have not done any shrinkage to the product. You know, you hear a lot about the shrinkflation. Right. Well, not at Costco. Uh, well, where's that uh, Wendy's commercial? Where's the beef? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at Costco. <Yeah. laughs> but if you want a better deal than that, you can now head on over to Sam's Club and get a hot dog and a drink for a dollar and thirty-eight cents. Save yourself what is that? Twelve cents there. To keep prices low, this is what the economy needs. More competition and more supply, not a reduction in demand. If we can figure out the supply side of the equation, we don't have to crush demand. Right, right. And, and that, that'd be a big thing because that'd be so much nicer to do. But the, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what it's going to go. We had a hot dog from Costco. You know, I have a long time ago. I remember they're not small. It's not like some little teeny hot dog. And what? And actually, I guess what we should do is a you know analysis here is go to Costco, <laughs> measure the hot dog, <laughs> taste the hot dog, then go to Sam's Club, measure the hot dog, taste the hot dog, see whose is better. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. I was gonna say I I like I, I try and eat healthy, so I don't eat a whole lot of hot right. dogs. <laughs> but I remember Costco's hot dog being quite tasty. <laughs> <laughs> and that is for a drink, too, of the hot dog and a drink. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad deal. Oh, it's a great deal. Yeah. So, all right. If you like uh, these topics and uh, you say, gosh, I, I, I didn't quite understand what they said, 
you want to get the newsletter that we send out. It goes out every Friday. Um, also, we talked about that FTX with uh, uh, crypto, some great information there. More on the housing market. We talked about Target, electric vehicles for ride-sharing companies. We talked about Home Depot. It's a free newsletter. Just go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You get that newsletter for free. And a lot of people love it because, again, it's very quick information uh, that's uh, just packed with great stuff to talk about. And I, I'm going to leave people on a cliffhanger here because sure. you brought up, brought up Target. Yeah. We talked about the amount of shoplifting that is costing Target's bottom line. The number was just mind-blowing. And I, I'm going to leave people on the hook there so they go sign up for the newsletter. <laughs> I'll probably come out if somebody... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody's going to give us a call. Uh, yeah. Oh, you ruined the, ruined the surprise. <laughs> All right. Phone numbers here, 833 833- Two eight eight zero nine seven three. That's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. Let's go to Inglewood and speak with Dorian. Dorian, you're on the Smart Show. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Well, good morning, Brent and Chase. I haven't called in for a while, but yeah, anyway, where, where you been there? My uh, my my toaster. You know, my bread toaster. It gave out, so I had to get a new one. So I went over to Target and I looked over all the toasters and I bought this one called Hamilton Beach and I've you know am familiar with the brand and you know it's been around for a while so it seemed to be you know high quality and uh, it works exceptionally well anyway I said wait a minute what about this Hamilton Beach do they have a stock and they do the symbol is HBB and I'm looking at it uh, the company was formed like in 1910 and they have a PE of six and they have a pay a dividend of three percent and they have quite a range, but they make very good products and they're very reasonable. And people are familiar with the brand. I think they they merged with Procter Silex. Well, and, uh, and you kind of got you, you got me kind of intrigued here too, because I I mean I like what you're talking about here. So I want to I want to look at more numbers on this company because it is an interesting company. I don't think I've ever looked at this company, but this could be something I have, I have interest in. Again, the company yeah, is Hamilton it's quite Beach. Small. It's a small company. I didn't oh, well, think it's that small. Yep, seeing that that could be a problem. But the company is Hamilton Beach Brands. Their symbol is HBB. HBB yes. Yep. Uh, they're in the furnitures, uh, furnishings, fixture, and appliance industry. Three point one percent short on the float. Forty-three point five percent institutional owned. And you're right. Uh, a PE ratio of six versus eighteen point four. Price to sales 0.3 versus 0.6. Price to book value 1.7. This is tangible book value versus 26.2 for the industry. Uh, nothing for price to cash flow, so I'm surprised on that, and no peg ratio going forward. Now, we do see their earnings did climb by 8.3% over the past year. That's well above the industry. That fell 68.5. Uh, the sales did decline by 7.5% when the industry is up 236 so I'm not sure why that is there. Uh, you're correct. They pay a 3.2% dividend. They only use 18.5% of their uh, earnings to pay it out, so that's a big positive. Look at the balance sheet. Got a current ratio of 2.6 versus 1.5. Shows a lot of liquidity. Debt to equity, 1.2. That's double the industry of 0.6. But at 1.2, I'm okay with that if they have good cash flow and are in the process of trying to reduce that debt. We do see a net profit margin, 4.8% versus 3.7. And return on equity, very good, 26.1 versus 14.6. Chase? Uh, current price here for Hamilton Beach Brands, again, HBB, $13.22. 52-week highs, $17.15. And the low here, $9.18. See, year-to-date, it's selling down about 5.6%, while the market's still down around 16 And, and here's what you're talking about, Dorian. It is a... a 
pretty darn small company here, $183 million market cap. But uh, looking forward for this business going to December 2023, I do see the estimated earnings per share is $1.95. That would give us a target sell price of $32.37. So the value is definitely there. The problem is there's only one analyst that's following it. Many times that's the issue with these small companies. One other thing, too, that I I would want to understand a little bit more is I I actually think I had a toaster from this company as well a couple years ago. Um, But... I know Williams and Sonoma came out and they had kind of a disappointing earnings report and they cut guidance and so forth for uh, their holiday season and I think next year. Curious if they're operating in any similar space. Are they more high end? I am assuming that this company is maybe more of a value type retailer, not so much the Williams Sonoma is going after the kind of higher end consumer, but something to keep an eye on uh, for that business is. Is they, are they having similar problems, perhaps, as Williams-Sonoma? And, and one thing I was thinking, I was going to kind of look to see uh, the uh, income statement to see what they're spending on research and development. Because one thing you have to kind of do is you have to come up with new products because, you know, toasters are not very exciting. So what are they doing to make it more exciting? Uh, unfortunately, I don't see an R&D line pulled out here. It's a very summarized uh, income statement. But that's one thing I'd want to know is, like, what are they doing to keep, you know, in, in the exciting area? Mm-hmm. Um, because toasters not that exciting, but I like the idea of holding well, they make company. more than toasters. They make coffee makers. They make oh, air yeah. fryers. They make about twenty different things. Kitchen, you kitchen appliances. Yeah, and, and, that, and that, you know, what impresses me is is the quality. You know, they're mid mid price. They're well known, and they make really good products. People, you know, like them. It's kind of like a Ford F one fifty pickup. You know, it's a, a good pickup, and uh, maybe there's ones that are better that cost more. But, you know, it's a good value, and people know that, and you know, I, I got a heck of a toaster. <laughs> right. And that's what I mean. And they, they do other products, like coffee makers and stuff like that. They, they do those appliances. But all those, you've got to keep them exciting because, I mean, a toaster will last for, I don't know, 10 years. You know, so that's a long time. So you want to have new products that come out, like, oh, well, this toaster does this and that. And they now have these air fryers. I wonder if they do the air fryers and stuff because those are pretty exciting. And I, I do see here as well that they also have commercial products for restaurants, bars, and hotels. Oh. I'd, be, I'd be curious what the breakdown is for retail versus commercial because I, I would assume maybe the commercial could even be more of a stable business because you're getting a lot of volume on those appliances. Probably need to replace them more frequently than you do a household item. I, I think yeah, for one thing I noticed this stock it sort of goes back to 2017 as if it was you know made at that time it even though the company was made in 1910 it's been around forever mm-hmm. it the stock only has a four-year history hmm. so it's kind of a new company or something yeah, yeah it must have gone must have been private for years and then just decided to go somebody public. spun them off yeah and I was gonna say that too is that perhaps this could be a takeover target down the road from somebody I mean a hundred and what do you say 183 million dollars yeah. I mean that's not very very much there but so, uh, uh, um in other words what do you think you know more information or you know throw a little money into it what do you think i i, I would think i like what i see yep. i mean we wouldn't research it more because if we were to buy it we'd, we'd end up owning probably 20 percent of the company or so um but i think for the for an investor that is is smart wants to spend the time to look into it i think it could be a good company to hold because if we did it we would move the market drive the price up but you buying, you know, uh, we'll just say ten thousand shares, ten thousand dollars worth, or whatever. You're not going to move the market because I like the concept, I like this type of business. Um, but it's not going to go up, you know, twenty five percent per year. But I think it's just a great company to hold. 
uh, long term. Yeah, and definitely a, a different business as and well. And you get that nice dividend, what, 3.2% dividend? That's yeah. still pretty good. Yeah. So I, yeah, I want to I want to make a one statement. You know, I live right by the SoFi Stadium, and yeah. they're opening up this new Clipper Arena, which is across the street in like next year or something like that. But anyway, it's going to be $2 billion for the Clipper Stadium, and the SoFi Stadium costs $5.5 billion. So that's $7.5 billion, billion in like one area. That's pretty big. Oh, yeah. That's, that's huge. huge. Yeah, that, that's huge. Yeah. I remember the cost of stadiums the first one years ago, like, wow, $1 billion. Yeah. Now, like, pff, that's nothing. <laughs> well, Dorian, thanks so for calling in. The most valuable stadium in the world. I mean, it's the biggest oh, it one, $5.5 billion. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. We'll talk to you guys again, so I will watch my my toaster. Okay. Well, let's know how the toaster works. Hopefully it doesn't go up in smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling in, Dorian. Right. Thanks again. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line. 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. And, Chase, I mentioned that, you know, because I, I do like companies like that, but you have to be so – careful and again because we, we manage about a half billion dollars when we generally buy something we're going to buy we'll say 20 maybe 25 million dollars you got to be careful of not just moving the market up but you got to remember too that if you want to sell you can drive the market down so you got to be careful of that and that's why you also look at the institutional ownership and i think it was what 47 uh, percent or something i think the number was uh that could be you know bad so you, you really got to look at so many factors when you're investing into a, to a business um, of how you, you can move that market or what you to expect from it. One analyst, uh, what if he stops uh, doing it? I was going to say that's the big thing that we didn't spend that much time on is the one analyst. Like, uh, as I was saying, I think the estimate, gosh, I, of course, clicked off of it, but uh, you know, the, the one analyst had an estimate of $1.95. Right. The problem is if they run into some issues and the analyst is like, oh, gosh, that's terrible, he can cut <laughs> it down to you know $0.85. Cents. And now that's the only person you're relying on where if you have, I'd say I'd like to at least have five different analysts. That way you have maybe one guy saying, oh, my gosh, the world's on fire. We got to get out of this company. They're, they're going to make no money. But the other four are saying, ah, oh, you're crazy. Now you're going to have kind of a huge spread between the high and the low. Right. But at least you have different differing opinions there rather than just relying on what one person has to say about the company. And I will say that one analyst did raise his estimate from $1.75 uh, actually 30 days ago to $1.95. So he is seeing some good things there uh, on uh, Hamilton Beach Brands. And it's one thing, too, that I kind of remember as a kid, that name has been for a long time, so it makes you kind of feel good. Uh, I remember there was one company, I thought we got into it, it was a sporting goods company. Maybe we looked at it. Big Five? Big Five, yeah. And, And it was a similar situation uh, I don't think we ever got into it, but it didn't really move that much. But I think their market cap, if I remember correctly, was like, like 300 million or something. Yeah. And sometimes your smaller companies just don't move because there's nobody, you know, talk about them or looking at them. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, we, we got no calls. You want to look at Big Five real quick? Just, yeah, is just that what you're doing? It up. Yeah, let, let me see. Do you know what the symbol is for Big Five? Uh, it's BGFV. BGFV. Did you remember that? You looked that up. No, I looked that up. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, wow, you got a really good memory. <laughs> <laughs> Not that good. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's one. And again, they did very well. They were open through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did well. So I'm kind of curious what they look like uh, at this point in time. So it's one that we kind of missed. And again, the company is a big five sporting goods. Uh, their symbol is BGFV. They're in the specialty retail 
Oh, they do have 25.2% short on the float. So wow. that's a that could be a problem. 47% uh, institutional ownership. But here, this is what I'm kind of talking about. The P-E ratio is 6.5 versus 22.6. Price of sales, 0.3 versus 0.8. Price of book value, 1.1 versus not material. No peg ratio because I don't think there's any analyst going to give that to you. Uh, their earnings, wow. Uh, one year down 56.8%. Industry up 51.4%. Sales down by 12.6%. Industry up 85.4%. You get a 7.8% dividend yield. And they use 48.8% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, on the balance sheet, you got a current ratio of 1.6 versus 2.1. Debt to equity, 1.1 versus one uh, net profit margin 4.3 versus 3.7 so the numbers look pretty good except for that short and some other things what do you got yeah i mean uh looking here current price for big five twelve dollars and 88 cents i see the 52 week high wow 29 dollars and four cents and the 52 week low is ten dollars and 23 cents so year to date down about 28 uh, percent here's what you're talking about uh, good memory here is the market cap 285 yep. million dollars uh looking forward for big five though there's just again one analyst following it but the analyst believes they'll make a dollar and 37 cents for december two 2023 what gives a target sell price of $22.74 honestly I'm kind of surprised how short people are on this stock I mean yeah. that's a huge short position and I, I I don't see this company going bankrupt I, I it looks like they have you know cash flow earnings their their debts a, a little high but nothing that would I think cause a, a bankruptcy event within the next couple of years it, it just seems like a weird weird company to short because there's not that many people following it you know why is the short position so high? You, you know and i because we always talk about the current ratio which is your yeah. short-term liabilities which is short-term assets for 12 months that as i said is 1.6 mm. your quick ratio 0.2 so a lot of that liquidity could be in inventory yeah. and accounts receivable and not cash that could be the problem yeah no that could be a yeah. big problem because I, I i think it's all inventory honestly you think so? Are you looking at the balance sheet right now? I was just, uh, I was trying to pull it up. Yeah, they got uh, 34, 34 million in cash and equivalents. Uh, inventory is 316 million. Um, receivables are nine, yeah, so it's all in inventory, which is in a way positive because they got the inventory to sell. So. But if you have to liquidate, you're gonna have to drive the price away down. So yeah, so, so most of the liquidity is coming from uh, the inventory is at 316 million, which is well actually higher than, uh, well September 2022 years ago it was like 255 million, but that was after <laughs> the pandemic started. So um, yeah, and I, I it's got to all be inventory in the discrepancy because yeah, I just want to confirm the quick ratio actually does include accounts receivable as well. So that means that discrepancy is all inventory. That's a lot of inventory on the balance sheet. Yeah, 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 and I think that's mostly what they are. I don't think they own their locations or probably leasing those. Um, I did notice too that the, their long-term debt is 222 million, uh, which you know is not bad compared to their equity, but a lot of their equity is again from that inventory. And then I will say too, I know we talked about BJ's wholesale several weeks ago, and it was did you I, say they, they reported they didn't yeah, do they, so well? They didn't do so well. No, no I was going to say it's just kind of funny when you're like, well, do you know anybody that shops at BJ's? No, not really. They're more back east. They are back east, but you even said your friend's back east. Like, no, we don't go to yeah, BJ's. No. We go to Costco. <laughs> Costco. Uh, it's same thing with Big Five. I don't even know where the closest Big Five is. I remember the last time I've been in a Big Five was about 10 years ago uh, in Flagstaff, Arizona. Right. And 
that uh, was the last time I was there because that's the yeah. only location I can remember. It was right right off the I know, college campus. I know where, I know where two are. Uh, one is uh, on Mary's Boulevard by the, the big Target. Mm-hmm. They have one there. And then there's another one over in Poway uh, that is where the L.A. Fitness is. Um, mm. they, they have one there. And there's like a Dollar Tree next to them. And, and always people going and going. So Yeah, I, I just... I haven't gone there in so long. And the other thing that I, I will say is kind of amazing is you look at, you know, the sports authorities that used to be around. Oh, yeah. They're gone. Yeah. And Big Five has lasted. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you're, you're competing against Dick's Sporting Goods, which seems to be now the, the big player there. I wonder if that could be a problem, and I wonder how they're competing against Dick's Sporting Goods. The way I kind of look at it is that sometimes – I want to go into just a Vons, pick up what I need, and go out as opposed to parking way far away at Costco, go all the way into Costco to get one thing, walk through the big warehouse and so forth. So that's why I think Big Five has advantage that they're not like a Dix where it's a huge, Dix are huge. Yeah. You got to walk around, try to find something. Big Five, I, th- I think they're probably, I want to say maybe a quarter the size of a Dix. So you can go in there, you know what you need, get it, and go out. So different, different customer. So, alrighty, phone number is 833-288-0973. Gosh, all phone lines are open on a slow Saturday here. you got a company you want to talk about or investment you want to talk about, not sure about something, give us a call, 833-288-0973. Again, 833-288-0973. Right now, let's talk to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Uh, going to talk about watch out for income-related monthly adjusted amount. That's a mouthful. Harrison, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Hey, Brandon. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. That is a mouthful. Watch out for income-related monthly adjusted amount. Uh, is it short for IRMA? Yeah, I like that better. IRMA. <laughs> IRMA, yeah. IRMA is a little bit easier to say, and it has to do with Medicare. So um, with Medicare, everyone gets Part A and Part B, and then from there you can choose, do you want a Part C Advantage plan or do you want a supplement Medigap plan? Um, but everyone has Part A and B. Um, part A has no premium. Part B does. And if you need a drug plan, that's where Part D comes in, which also has a premium. So Part B and Part D are the uh, two two ones that um, most people have that have premiums. And those premiums change every year depending on your income. So now that we're getting close to the end of the year, it's a good idea to look at what your income or what your AGI is, adjusted gross income, because this year's AGI will determine what your 2024 Part B and Part D premiums are. So you wanna look at things like your dividends, your capital gains, if you've done any Roth conversions, um, what the taxable amount of your social security is, all of those things are included in your AGI, and if your income is $1 above the little thresholds for IRMA, your premiums will be increased for both spouses. Now, it's not permanent. If you can get your income down the following year, they'll, they'll, they'll go back down, so it changes every year, but um, you, know, you want to be mindful of that. So with the income-related monthly adjustment amount, there are six little brackets or thresholds that you can fall into, and the first threshold starts at an AGI of up to, um, right now for a married couple, it's 194000 and then 246 306 366 and uh, 750 So those are the, the different tiers where if you're above or below that, that's ultimately what's going to determine what those Part B and Part D premiums are. So for Part B, starting next year, your premium is about $165, <laughs> um, but depending on 
you know, where you fall into those Irma brackets, it could be as high as um, around $637 per month per person, which if you're not careful, could result in an extra premium throughout the year for two spouses of um, over $11,000. So it's essentially an additional tax. Um, you know, any income that you have is part of your AGI, which is a part of your taxable income, which gets applied to the tax brackets. But a lot of people don't look at their AGI as far as IRMA goes, because this is also something that higher levels of income will, will cause you to pay higher premiums or, or, or essentially taxes. And Harrison, that's one thing I was thinking of. Yeah, and, and I know that you look at uh, all this when, you know, if you're a financial planning clients, but I'm sure there's people that say, well, I'm just going to do that Roth conversion. I'm just going to go ahead and do that, and I'm going to save money. They probably don't think about that they just destroyed their adjusted gross income, and now they're going to have problems with their IRMA as well. Yeah, it's exactly right because usually, or not usually, always when you're looking at Roth conversions, you're looking at what your taxable income is. So taxable income is AGI minus your itemized or standard deduction. So your taxable income is what determines where you fall in the tax brackets. And when you're doing a conversion, you're trying to stay under a certain threshold on the taxable income side. But yeah, many people leave out, well, your taxable income is this, that might be fine, but that's also going to put your AGI above one of these IRMA thresholds. And then, you know, two years down the road, when you're paying your Medicare premiums, you're going to get a little note from Medicare that says, oh, you you had too much income. Now we're going to increase your premiums on you. And no one wants to get that. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, too, I mean, we're very cautious with tax loss harvesting because, you know, you can really burn yourself in terms of the lost economic gain. But I mean, this could be something, too, if you really dial in and understand your finances or you have a good financial planner like yourself, this could be a a, a reason to maybe take some losses on your stocks just to push that lower because that could end up, as you said, costing you quite a bit of money. So you'd, you'd have to do a calculation to see what the benefit is, but right. that might be something to consider as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's a little bit more difficult because usually throughout the year, it's, it's not exactly clear what your dividend income is going to be or what your realized capital gains have been or things like that. So you kind of have to add it up and, and really compute it because again if, if you're one dollar above one of those thresholds you get hit by it unlike taxable income where if you go above a threshold only what's above that gets hit so um yeah you're exactly right Chief. And, and harrison this is one reason why we do the way the things we do at wills asset management is that and i've said uh there's no way possible that someone can do a good job of managing money and also do the financial planning because and I know there's a lot of guys out there, oh, I'm a financial planner, CFP, I, I do the management of the portfolio and I do the financial planning. It takes so much time and you're gonna miss little things like this because you're a full-time financial planner, a fee-based financial planner, you can spend the time doing this. If I was trying to do both of these, something would suffer. Either I wouldn't be doing a good job managing the money or I'd miss little things like this that, that you pick up on. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's not what you know that's going to help you. It's what you don't know that's going to hurt you. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harrison, uh, thank you very much for calling in this morning. Uh, you have a great uh, weekend. We'll see you on Monday morning. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you on Monday. Okay, bye-bye. All right, again, that was uh, Harrison Johnson, our financial planner. He is a CFP. Uh, again, he's on a salary. He doesn't get paid uh, any commissions for selling a product. If you want a free consultation with him, you can go to our website, Smart Investing 2000. Com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000.com. You can also call the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Just listen to the prompt for Harrison, and you can actually speak to him right there uh, live.
Yeah. So, all righty. Phone number's here. Gosh, what a slow day today. It's, uh, what, 8.43? We're three quarters away through the show and only one phone call. But uh, you want to call in? 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. I'm debating, should we talk about cryptocurrency? Uh, and I, I, I know we talked about it a lot last week, but yeah. we can do it again. I mean, it, it's in the news. It's in the news. And there's one thing, and I was going to actually do a post on this. I'm kind of curious what people think. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, there, there's actually lawsuits coming out against uh, Tom Brady. Steph uh, Curry. Steph Curry. Um, Shaq. Shaq for promoting cryptocurrencies, getting paid for that. Um, should they be held liable for that? You know, it, it is interesting. They're, they talked about how Kim Kardashian got in trouble by the SEC because she did a post promoting that and got paid 250000 didn't disclose that. I don't know what the, the rules are for media because they are clearly promoting it. Right. But I don't know how much they got paid for the commercial. I Didn't she get paid like 250000 That's what I'm saying is right. she never disclosed. I think you can promote it as long as I think it would have been okay. Like, hey, I'm being paid to promote it. I right. think that would have been okay. But she never said that. Right. My point is on the TV side, I don't think anybody knows how much Tom Brady made from promoting FTX. Yeah, and it could be, you know, new grounds uh, going to be laid here because, again, it, and we all knew it was a hype product and so forth. And they're out there, oh, well, you know, Tom Brady's going to, it must be good. He's he's a multimillionaire. He must know what he's doing. Uh, Steph Curry and uh, all the other people. Uh, even, what's his name, uh, O'Leary, what's his name? Uh, uh, Mr. Wonderful. Kevin O'Leary? Kevin O'Leary, yeah. He he even got paid for promoting it. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah he, I saw him on that as well. Well, he should know better, especially yeah. him. He talks about old dividends and cash flow, but I think he did it just for the money. Yeah. And, and it is terrible because it is now coming out that people are losing, losing millions and millions of dollars should these people that you kind of trust or you because you know them that's why you did it should they be held responsible because you're right they did not disclose that they're being paid for it and the way the commercials looked it looked like oh yeah you have it this is a great deal and part of me says yes part of me says no the reason i say i don't think they should be held liable is just like come on really you're going to invest in it because tom brady's who cares he doesn't know anything <laughs> about investing <laughs> and you have to know in the back of your mind the only reason, or one of the only reasons, maybe he's a believer, I don't know. But the main reason I think he's doing is because he got paid a ton of money to do the commercial. Yeah, like, exactly. you have to know that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, people like to blame other people for their right. losses. And, I mean, I just, I, I kind of thought it was funny. I was, I was talking about, um, you know, you don't see a commercial of, you know, Steph Curry or Tom Brady talking about Apple stock. Yeah. You know, why Why did they feel the need to talk about cryptocurrency so much? It was just, and, and what made them an expert, so to speak, that, that people felt comfortable trusting? And, and that's where I, I'm like, well, no, I don't think they should be sued. It was your fault for still buying it. You right. did no research other than, oh, Tom Brady's doing it. I should go do it too. Right. That's an awful investment research process. And unfortunately, people do that. Yeah, I, so I know. They don't but, and that's, that's where I say I'm like, well... No, you, it's your fault, right. you know, but <laughs> they don't listen to Smart Investing Show. So I'm thinking maybe what we should do is on Monday I'll call Tom Brady. Hey, can you come on the show so more people will listen, you know? Maybe. Hey. <laughs> I'm not going to pay you, though. No, no, not going to pay you. No, sorry, I can't pay you. I can't afford you. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go back to the phones here. Let's go out to uh, San Diego and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Investing Show Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, Brent Chase. Um, I'm curious what uh, you think of Biogen at, at this level right now, 
Yeah, I, I know that the, the they had that Alzheimer's drug, which actually did well, then it didn't do well, and then somebody else competing with it. So I'm kind of curious what it's looked like now, because I, I believe they've come up. So let, let's take a look at uh, Biogen. Their symbol is B-I-I-B. Uh, they are obviously in the drug manufacturer industry. Only 1.9% flow to 88% institutional owned. Uh, P.E. ratio 15.5, not bad compared to the industry at 21.1. Price to sales 4.3 versus 4.2. Price to tangible book value, 8.7 versus not material for the industry. And price of cash flow, 18.5 versus 17. Now, I do see over the last year, their earnings per share climbed by 87.3%, well above the industry at 18.9. They do not pay a dividend. Their sales actually fell by 6.6% when the industry was up 10.8. So I'm not sure how they can grow the earnings uh, when sales are declining, could have been uh, some accounting there that they did. Uh, current ratio, 2.5, better than the industry at 1.4. Debt to equity, 0.5 versus 1.6. And the net profit margin, 27.6 versus 21.6. And return on equity, 22.4 versus 31.7. So all this is looking pretty good to me. What do you got, Jace? There's a current price here for Biogen, $302.89. Right near the 52-week high of $305.48 and the low... $187.16. I see year to date it's done well up 26.2%. Uh, I will say though, it is interesting going back, looking at like a five year chart when that drug was approved for Alzheimer's. The five years ago? Uh, I, I'm just using no, the five year chart. Okay. That, that's just, right. there's no two year chart. It looks like it was approved in, in 2021. Uh, but it was June, so you look at the one-year chart now. You're you're missing it. Oh so, yeah. So in June 2021, it popped up to over $400 a share, and then it got cut back all the way down to $200 a share. Yep. And now it's back around 300. So I mean, the stock's all over the place. Um, and and one thing that I look at, I was I was quite surprised by this. The earnings estimates have really really come down, and they're expected to continue to fall. Like this year, they're estimated to decline 11% year over year, and then 2023, they're estimated to fall again 8.1% to a target earnings per share of $15.71. And if we use that $15.71 to get our target sell price, we would get, let's see here, $260.79. So it's trading at 19.3 times future earnings. It's it's expensive. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have guessed that. I thought it was going to be a, a yeah. good good deal here. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, it's overpriced at this point. I know they have competition on the Alzheimer's Eli. drug. Uh, Eli, uh, Eli Lilly, yeah. Eli Lilly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of surprised too. I thought it was going to be coming around 400 plus, but no, it, it's, it's not a buy, Jim. It, it, it's a sell at this level. All right. Yeah, I kind of thought it might be overpriced, just the fact that it's at 52 week high. Uh, I was wondering. Yep. So. Uh, but, um. Yeah. All right. All right. Good enough. Yeah, and I'm very curious, too, what's going to happen with that Alzheimer's drug, because I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding it. I mean, that is a huge space, and, and if Eli Lilly oh, or yeah. Biogen is able to crack it and actually be profitable in it, I mean, that's going to be a, a gangbuster drug for them. But, it uh, actually works. Yeah, work. exactly. That, that's the key part there. It's got to work. <laughs> got to work. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for calling in, Jim. You have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, let's go, let's go up to uh, Long Beach and speak with uh, David. David, you're on the Smart Investor, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, good morning, guys. That Hamilton Beach reminded me of a dividend aristocrat that I've had a few shares of for years, Stanley Works, uh, which used to be Stanley. It's still a Stanley Works, but they added Black and & Decker, and it's fallen from 
200 to 87, Ooh. and they they raised the dividend as it was falling. Mm-hmm. So that's I can't understand why it's down so low if if they're you know dividend going forward raise type of thing uh, unless they're just doing it for the aristocrat. It, well, it normally means they're expecting to still be in business. And, and, yeah, and sometimes companies, and we'll look at the numbers here, sometimes they will do it because it's just their philosophy to increase their dividends. They're saying, hey, our earnings are doing well. We're going to increase, reward our shareholders. Even though the stock is down, they're saying the business is doing well. So it could be a great opportunity. I'm kind of excited to look at uh, Stanley Black & Decker. Their symbol is W, I'm sorry, SWK. Uh, only 4.9% uh, short on the stock, so that's not too bad. 92% institutional owned PE ratio not that good though 21.7 same as the industry but price of sales is good 0.7 versus 1.4 price of book value 1.3 better than the industry at 2.4 no price of cash flow they do have a peg ratio 3.4 versus 14.8 the lower that peg ratio the better so that's good unfortunately we're seeing earnings fell by 67.2%, the industry down 5.9. So it appears that perhaps they took some write-offs or something happening there. You understand what before you invest in the company. Sales only increased by 0.6% over the past year, but the industry is down 9.8. And you are correct, they do pay a 4% dividend and only use 33.3% of their earnings paid out. So that's a big positive there. Uh, We do see on the balance sheet, current ratio 1.2 versus 2.2, that's good. Debt to equity, 0.8, slightly higher than the industry at 0.6, but I'm okay with that. Net profit margin, 8.3, same as the industry. And return to equity, 15.2 versus 17.3, so I'm okay with that. Really comes down to Chase going forward, what they got here. Yeah, so current price here for Stanley Black & Decker, $80.20. Here's that 52-week high, $196.52, and the low, $70.24. Been hit hard this year, down 56.6%. Sounds like a tech company. Yeah, and and I'm (laughs) curious, too, because, I mean, Home Depot and Lowe's, they, they... they had some issues in their quarter, but overall, it was still an okay quarter for the two of them. I'm, I'm wondering, I, and I, I kind of, I don't know that much about Stanley Black & Decker, but I would kind of associate it with maybe products that would be sold at like a Home Depot. Well, I, and we have a flow income in our portfolio, which is down a lot as well. So uh, something's not matching up, again, like a, a it's not 56.6%. I don't understand why. Yeah, and I mean, the one thing I do see here, you t- already talked about the earnings decline. This year, it, you're looking at a full year, year-over-year year, uh, decline of about 58%. I do see in 2023, you're looking for about earnings growth of 13%. Gives us an estimate of $4.96. However, that would just give us a target sell price of $82.34, so right around the current level. Now, one thing I will say is we're now in November, almost December. We're going to be pushing out to 2024 it looks like that estimate jumps up to $7.48, but there's just 10 analysts compared to 19. This may be one to watch at the beginning right. of next year and could be a good opportunity to get into a business, uh, especially if things look like they're turning around for the company, because uh, that's a huge increase. I do wonder if there's maybe still some work through with the, the combination with Stanley Black & Decker there that they're working through some integration costs that may no longer be an issue in 2024, 2025. Right. Uh, and David, you said you hold it or you're looking at buying it? Uh, yeah, I have about uh, 30 shares. And uh, th- the last time I looked at a, a aristocrat sheet 2013 is where I had watched it. And then when it when it dropped this low. So I'm in right around where the price is now, but very little money. Uh, but I would 
again, everything you said is historically, uh, Stanley Works is, you know, stable. And, of course, Black & Decker, which uh, I've seen since I was a little kid, it, uh, I didn't even know they have any competition, really, until you just mentioned it, that there's a lot of people in the industry. Yeah, yeah, and, and also to Robbie, I think it is, or Robbie. Or, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, no yeah right I think they're about. they're pretty big, and and I see them in Lowe's and Home Depot and stuff. So they do have some heavy competition. But Chase brought up an important point, which I'll share with you and our listeners, is now we begin waiting because Chase mentioned for 2024 there was 10 analysts, but we wait until they actually report the earnings for. December of 2022 to get good numbers for December 2024. So I'd be patient here with this because that $7 sounds real attractive, but it could come down dramatically by maybe the end of January. And I just pulled up the website. I forgot they have Craftsman Tools now as well. Oh. They bought that off of Sears. Sears. And so I, I, I like this company a lot. And, you know, I know you already own it there a little bit, but I'd be patient for other people and kind of see at the beginning of next year. And as I said, at the beginning of the show, you might miss this one. Right. But I think you might be able to get a steal here uh, if you're patient just to make sure the numbers are good. And, you know, maybe it goes up a few percent, but you still might get a very good value and have more clarity on the stock. I, I, I'm intrigued, I guess, is what I would say by this yeah, company. And I, this is the company we kind of like as well. Um, and I remember Craftsman, I, I don't think they still have it. They had a lifetime warranty on their tools. You broke a tool, you go back to Sears, they replace it. I assume they still have that. But I, I like this company. So uh, uh, they, uh, Sears, as they were going down, they dumped Craftsman. I can't remember. Is it is Stanley the one that picked it up? Yeah. 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 Stanley oh, owns Craftsman. Yeah. yeah. So, and, 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 you know, Sears sold it for the money, obviously. But I'm wondering if Stanley kept that lifetime warranty uh, on the tools. I'm, I'm assuming they probably did, but, you know, I, I don't use my tools that much, so I don't break them. <laughs> <laughs> David, thank you for calling in. So, uh, yeah, stay stay patient a couple of months and see what happens. Give us a call back. Uh, we'll say uh, first part of February. Okay. We can look at it again for you. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Alrighty. Uh, I'm sorry, Michael. Uh, we ran out of time. Uh, gosh, everybody called like right at about uh, 845. So we got people to call a little bit early around 830 so we can get more calls. There. I know. And I, I was curious because I talked a little bit about Williams and Sonoma earlier. Yeah. It is actually one that the numbers look pretty good on it. And it and honestly might be better because I think they just reported. So we might get even better numbers next week. So might be a blessing in disguise for you there, Michael. Yeah. Michael, call back next week. Uh, call around at 830. Yep. Yeah. So that's one week and we can talk more about it. So uh, great show today. A lot, of, a lot of good things we covered. Uh, I think a lot of information for people. Uh, can't wait till, although next week, uh, I think next week we're going to do the educational show because it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. So we're going to do the educational show to kind of, and, and tune in for that because you'll really learn a lot of details of what we're looking at. And then when we come back uh, two weeks, you'll understand more about what we're looking at. It'll make you a smarter investor. I mean, we, we do that show to really help you understand. We do it a couple of times a year to, to try to, help you out there a little bit. So uh, that'll be next week, uh, the Smart Investing Show, uh, the educational show, as we call it. We go over all the details, why we look at these current ratios, why we look at the the valuation ratios and so forth, and really help you understand what's going on with it. Yeah, and there's a, there's a reason why we do these things. It's not just because, oh, well, maybe it'll help. It, 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 it's really useful to understand why we do what we do and how we do it. Yeah. And it takes all the emotion out of it. I mean, we don't get excited about things. and Well, we do get excited. We get excited. Uh, about, I'm, yeah. I'm excited about Stanley Black and right, Decker. Right. I mean, it looks interesting. We're not excited about the stock price. We're going to stop this thing up. Now it's going down. Yeah. No emotion. All right. This is a closing bell. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey 
or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. And be sure to visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. A lot of great information there. Sign up for the newsletter there. And also, too, for more daily educational information with investment tips, go to our Facebook group page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Thanks for listening to Smart Investing Show. Have a great day. We'll talk next week. I did all that And may I say